Well, good morning. Y'all doing well? Kind of rainy, a little bit messy out there. I appreciate you making it here and surviving. Because, you know, you, if, you, if the rain hits you, you can, like, die instantly. So I appreciate your efforts in being here and gathering all together. Of course, I welcome all of you joining us online. And uh, want to follow up real quickly on what we just saw at the beginning of the service, the, the promotion for Operation Christmas Child. We're real excited. I think this is our third or fourth Christmas uh, to do this. We're trying to get Get out about a thousand boxes, and you know, on one simple level, it's it's a chance for you as an individual, of individual, as a family, just to bless a child in the world. You you open it up; all the instructions are inside to to pick a boy, a, a girl, to pick a certain age group. Uh, you even have the ability now to track the box, so you can see where in the world it ends up, and then be able to in, engage with that child. So it makes it a little bit more personal, and so. Just a, a real simple, easy way to to do something that serves and blesses another this Christmas. Now, why I say that's the easy part, uh, I, I have heard from the field, I guess would be the way to say it. This opens such incredible doors for the gospel, for ministry, for missionaries. They they follow these boxes, and it it's not just a path to a child. It's a path to a family. It's a path uh, to a whole community. So you're not only blessing a child this Christmas, but you're you're really opening up great doors in in villages all over the world for the gospel and for ministry. So it is a a great tool. So as you just saw, uh, we're going to start making these available this week. Um, just because of COVID and the different ways of doing things, we're actually providing a, a drive-by. Uh, so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 10 to 3, you can just drive by. And I'm not sure exactly how to work. You'll drive, I don't know if we'll just throw it at you or open a window or what. But you can just drive by and we'll make the box available. Wednesday night, we're having a really important business meeting. Won't take long, but we'll start making them available in the concourse. And then next Sunday, they'll be available in the concourse. So I sure hope you'll go by and... uh, Get one of those and and be a part of that uh, as we move toward Christmas. Uh, as you might have just saw, I'm going to do a little bit of a, a different message, a standalone message today. But I will be back in Revelation next week, and I won't have to say that much longer. I, I think we're down to two or three messages, and we're November eighth. I think that's our last message in Revelation. Next week, I do want to give a quick promo for because. This is one that always intrigues a lot of people. It raises a lot of questions. As we've gone through Revelation, we're looking at all these resurrections, people coming to life and going to heaven. And sooner or later, that leads to the question, well, where are they right now? Where where, where are they right now? Well, we're going to answer that with Scripture next week. Saved people, unsaved people, where do they go the second they die till that time of a rapture, uh, a resurrection? And the Scripture is very clear. We do have to connect some dots, but uh, that's what we'll be looking at next week. So I want to let you know, you you may even want want to make sure you invite somebody or share somebody with that real real intriguing topic. You know, also, uh, before we get started here, we're, we're moving toward a pretty big day coming up here in November. Uh, there's a, a big weight in our culture. I mean, every, don't every election we say this is the most important election ever. And, uh, and I think every time and we say, and this one really is. And uh, I, this one's no different. It really does feel like we're, we're at a crossroads. And, uh, you know, we're to pray. We're to pray for our leaders. We're to, we're to pray for elections uh, and things like that. And we want to, not just a Sunday before, just really this whole season, 
moving up to that. We want to be praying for the election process, which is obviously at this point already well underway, uh, but, but pray for our leaders and all that is, is going on right now in our nation. So let's have a word of prayer. And uh, as we bow our head and close our eyes, I'm going to just be quiet for a moment and, and let you offer up your own words to the Lord and not have to listen to me rambling and going on and on. So I'll be quiet just for a second and then I'll, I'll close us in prayer. You pray. Jesus, we come before you today, and uh, Lord, Lord, on one hand, I, I would want to say thank you for the United States. Thank you for the history of this country and the good that has come from it. And uh, there's difficulties, there's failures, but there's so much good in this nation and around the world that has come out of what, what we call the United States of America. We're, we're thankful for freedom. We're, we're thankful for the things we enjoy in this land. And, and Lord, I, I can swing around to the other hand and say, I don't know on the basis of what you would answer any prayer of ours. Our, our nation as a whole, we have, we have rebelled against you. We have rejected you. We have rejected every single thing in the Bible. And, and we, don't just, we don't just disobey it. We, we openly celebrate it. There's just no shame in our country for anything. There's no wrong in our country anymore, Lord. I, I don't know of anything to cry out to but just your mercy. Your mercy on our nation. God, that there could be peace, that there could be justice, that there could be prosperity for all. And Lord, as we think about those words, we, we think of our leaders we think of the role that they play in that. And so I, I lift up to you our, our president, our, our governor. I lift up to you our Congress, our assembly. I lift up to you our courts. And God, I, I pray they would, they would make right and good and godly decisions. I pray you would surround them with, with godly influences, with truth, with good knowledge, good information that they make decisions and lead with. And I pray they would do what is right and good in your eyes. Lord, we have a, 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 a vacancy on our Supreme Court. And uh, this Judge Barrett, that is a potential for that. And Lord, I ask for your, your blessing and guidance on that process. And that it will result in your will. And that you will place in that position somebody who will judge rightly and judge well. And have perhaps as a backdrop to their decisions your word and your truth. Lord, I pray for a, a process uh, and a timing that, that America will respect. Uh, and Lord, we ask for your, again, your blessing and guidance on that. Lord, we lift, continue to lift up to you the situation with COVID-19. And, and God, that you just ask that you would remove this disease from our land, from the whole world. God, we ask for your, your healing, your care, your protection. And Lord, I, I lift up to you the election. Lord, it seems like everybody, all sides, 
already questioning and, and, and doubting how verifiable, how trustworthy this process is going to be. Lord, I don't even know what I'm praying. I just pray it would be verifiable. I, I pray that it would be trustworthy. And I pray we can, as a nation, see that and respect that uh, on the other side of this election. And Lord, as your people, we cry out to you and ask that we, we could have godly leaders at all, all levels. Leaders that, again, would lead from a, a, a biblical value and, and uh, your values, God, your decisions. And we just ask for your blessing and your favor on this, Lord. I pray you'd guide your people. We have different views. We have different understandings. But I, I pray, Lord, that, that at the end, whatever we do, we're, we're following you. And we're honoring you in what we do. And we ask for your help in that. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we'll pray when we gather. And we'll pray when we're alone, right? We want to cover this thing in prayer all the way all the way up to and, and through this time. Praying for peace as we go through this in our nation. A lot of heaviness around this. And, you know, with heaviness and, and the weight of all this in our nation right now, you probably didn't even think one time this week, didn't realize once this week that there was 17,500 different kinds of butterflies. Pro- probably didn't, that didn't cross, that thought didn't cross your mind one time. And yet that, that is the reality. There are 17,500 kinds of butterflies. I would have guessed like maybe four. Not 4,000, just like four. Yeah, you know, but that one, that one surprised me. Now there's 10,000 kinds of birds. That one doesn't surprise me. I would have guessed that. I'd, I'd have gone for a number like that. 28,000 kinds of fish. You know, there's more than just the, uh, the orange one in there, all right? Or, or the gold one. So all these fish, all these birds and butterflies. Now, I, w- I might be one that would look to heaven and say, hey, Lord, Why? Why, 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 why do we need 17,500 butterflies? And by the way, I get that, that science has an understanding of that. Science has an understanding of, of creation. And they're going to offer some insight into how things develop and varieties and kinds and species and, and all of that different thing. Of course, science will also leave out the single most important reason there are 17,500 butterflies. Because God's an artist. I mean, that's the big reason when, you, when it comes out. Romans chapter 1 tells us we can look out at creation and we can learn things about our God. And so when you see all of the trees, all of the flowers, all of the butterflies, all of the, the fish and the birds, all of this variety, all of this diversity, you learn something about our God. I mean, folks, literally, when we celebrate diversity, we're celebrating a, an attribute, a character of God. Now, I want, to, I want to be careful when I say that because diversity is a, a very charged word in our culture. Like any word we've learned in our culture, we can weaponize everything. And, and so when I say we celebrate diversity, we don't celebrate everything that's diverse. We don't celebrate a diversity of rejecting God. We don't celebrate a diversity of rebelling against his word. That's, that's not a diversity that we celebrate. But we certainly celebrate the diversity of his creation, don't we? And boy, we can look out at all of creation. And you realize if God would have made a monochromatic world with one, one kind of human, one kind of bird, one kind of horse, one kind of, one kind of, you know, we'd have never known any different. 
But, but he did create all that variety because that teaches us something about who he is. You know, as we mar- have marched through Revelation several times, we've had the opportunity to see worship in heaven, to, to get a peek into the throne room of heaven. And you know, and, and again, this may not have been a word we would normally use, but in that word, in that room, you see an incredible amount of diversity. You see, how about this, a diversity of jewels. Do you know how many jewels are mentioned related with, with God and the throne room? There's a diversity of colors, of sounds. There's a diversity. Now, I would almost put this in the category of butterflies. There's a diversity of angels. You know, until I was in Revelation, I don't know about y'all, but when, when I heard the word angel, like literally just one picture would come to my mind. How about y'all? You know, I mean, there's one angel and they all look exactly the same. But then you open up Revelation and you think, wait a minute. There seems to be different kinds, different classes. Some are described as living beings, and they really have some weird descriptions to them. And you see, man, there, there's not just like one kind of angel, and they all look the same. Man, there's a great diversity of angels. And of course, every single time, we see a great diversity of what? People. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Look at this verse. We've actually seen it a couple times this year. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. I mean, just multitudes of people around the throne of God from every nation. Now, let me stop right here and I'm going to finish the verse. But just that word nation is a little bit confusing in the Bible. Because when you and I read the word nation, we think of something like with a border and a flag, right? It's a Spain, it's a France, it's a Japan, it's a China. We, we, we think of a, a, that's a nation to us. But that word used right there is the word ethnos. It's ethnicities. Has nothing to do with a border. Has nothing to do with a flag. When he looked around the throne, he saw people from every kind of people, from every ethnicity represented there. Now, I don't know about you, but when I understand that one word, when I get that one picture, I, I got it. A- around the throne are people from every kind of people. That's not hard to understand, is there? But it doesn't stop with the word nation. It also goes on to say, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It appears that God uses a diversity of words to explain the diversity around the throne. I honestly believe God wants us to see this. God wants us to get that. Folks, God hasn't just made all kinds of butterflies. God's made in his image all kinds of people. And do you know that scene around the throne, that is the intended product of the gospel. Seeing all those different kinds of people is the intended product of the gospel. And by that, I don't just mean that people from every group, every ethnicity are saved, but that the wall of separation between those groups comes down because they're all now one. All those ethnicities, all those people groups are one around Jesus Christ. That is the intended, that is the communicated purpose of the gospel. An example of that would be Ephesians 2.14. It says, for he is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Now, when I say that, we might, our, our minds might run to a couple of things. When we pray, Jesus is our peace. Amen? 
And there's a lot of verses that would suggest that. That's not one of them. That, that's not about prayer. That's not about Jesus' peace in my life. That, that's not about peace in a, in a big sense or peace in an individual. If you began reading in verse 11, which I'm not doing today, but if you would turn there to verse 11 and begin reading, you would see the context. The peace there is not an individual peace that I feel. It is a peace between ethnicities. That is the purpose of the gospel. He is our peace and in his flesh... Okay, he's referring to his death on the cross. In his flesh, in his death, he has brought down the wall, listen to this, hostility. God knows what's going on between us. God God sees the very, and I would almost use the word, natural walls of separation that go up between different ethnicities. And what God is saying here is the purpose of the gospel is to bring those walls down. To understand that we have more alike in Christ than we are different because of our skin color or because of our language or because of our, our background. And, and, and folks, this, this sounds like, you stop and think about it, this sounds like a very 2020 message, doesn't it? I, I, I mean, boy, that, that's for today and we need to hear that and we need to be reminded of that. I mean, that's a very 2020 message. But God didn't write that in 2020. This message could have been preached in 1920. It could have been preached in 1820. It could have been preached in any 20. But we're not always sensitive to what God's word is saying, are we? The answer there is yes. We're not always sensitive to what God is saying in his word. We're not always obedient to what God is saying in his word. And the church, especially in America, has had a history of really lagging behind in the diversity, not of our culture. We've lagged behind in the diversity of heaven. We've lagged behind in displaying what heaven is. That's not a statement, by the way, to white churches. That's a statement to all churches. That the church in America has not been very diverse. And, you know, I actually believe there's some innocence to how that, I mean, we see a, a great evil in why that might be. I think there's some innocence in how that happens. I mean, throughout American history, church is primarily developed by the neighborhoods around them, right? Who goes to this church? The, the, the people in the walking distance around this neighborhood. That's, that's not just true. I mean, that, that's true in places even like New York, where you've just got millions of people on top of each other. And yet, how did neighborhoods develop? You had an Italian neighborhood, a Chinese neighborhood. Uh, I, I mean, you, you, they all broke down, and, and then churches would be planted in the middle of that. And who goes to that church? The people of that neighborhood. And so they kind of developed that way, I think, very innocently. But what I just described is not the world we live in today. It's not the America that we live in today. Our communities are very diverse. Our, our neighborhoods are very diverse. And we don't, most of us, walk to church anymore. We, we drive distances. We'll drive past lots of churches to get to, to our church. And yet still, the church has too often lagged behind in diversity, and not always for innocent reasons. And what we miss in that is the opportunity to embrace modeling heaven. What we miss in that is the opportunity to show the power of the gospel. 
What is the power of the gospel? Well, it's to save us from our sins, amen? It's to save us from sin and death and hell and, and, and provide for us a relationship with God and heaven. But folks, the scripture also says it saves us from these walls of hostility. You know, what we just saw in Ephesians 2.14 would have primarily been the hostility between Jew and Gentile. Now, Jew is an ethnicity. Gentile's not an ethnicity. Gentile was just an umbrella word that included all the ethnicities of the world, not Jewish. You know, in our culture, we might think that the bigger divide is between black and white. But whatever we, our experience is, whatever we perceive to be that wall of hostility or that great divide, God says the gospel brings that down. Very simply because what we are in Christ, who we are in Christ, makes us so much more alike than our skin or our language or our background makes us different. Can our skin, background, and language make us different? Sure it can. But who and what we are in Christ makes us so much more alike. You know, here, here at the Heights, we, uh, I think, have been trying to correct this for about 30 years now. As a matter of fact, I think I've referred twice this year already uh, in our 100-year celebration back in February and then in January. We actually, uh, uh, Sam, he was in our last service. Our first black member of this church was in, in 1990. He's still, still a member here. And, uh, but for about 30 years now, I would start with him. Uh, we've kind of been trying to grow in this diversity the last, I think, 10, 12, 15 years. We've really seen a, a very significant jump in that. And that's a good thing. Amen? Heights family, they see us growing in that diversity. And as we have, as we have, it has started to highlight that there's still an area in our church that's not very diverse. And that would be our pastoral staff. Our pastoral staff is very white, very married, and this is getting harder and harder to say, but very old. We, we, have, we have an age. See, all of those are areas of diversity, not just skin color. Skin color, age, marital status are all going to impact our experience in this world. They're all going to impact how we interpret the world. And you think about what a staff does. They gather to prepare to pray, to understand how we reach a culture, how we minister to our own congregation, and to have the experience, to have the background of skin color, of age, of marital status, uh, all in that is is going to make us a better staff and, and hopefully enable us to better minister, better reach our church and our community. And so we've been working on this actually for for a long time. This has been on our heart, but I would say in earnest really began uh, this, this past June to think about, hey, we, how do we make this happen sooner and, and better? And, uh, you know, folks, it, it's fun to work on a problem, to work on a challenge and, and kind of start approaching the answer and see God sitting there going, you know, I've been waiting here for a while now because uh, God already has the answer, Right. It's not us coming up with the answer and saying, oh, dear God, please come bless this. God's always had the answer. And right here, what I mean by that, folks, right here inside of our church family, people already theologically trained, people already answering the call to ministry or developing a call to ministry, people we already know and love as a part of our family, and and to see, hey, 
didn't even recognize that what was right in our midst so that God could, could make this move in our church. And so today I want to introduce to you not one, not two, four new pastors to our staff family. You guys come on, come on up here. I know many of you know who these guys are and, and have already seen them in, in ministry and different things in our church, already know and love and, and appreciate them. So I want to say something real quickly uh, about all four of them, and then I'm also going to let them uh, introduce you. But I, w- I want you to understand what we're doing. So, so two of oh, I should tell, tell their names. This is Rico Patterson, David Alori, Josh Roberts, and Joel Agulis. Much better. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. I just call him Joel. Uh, so Rico and Joel are similar in this, in, in how they're coming onto our staff. First of all, both of them already have seminary degrees, already have a theological uh, education in their background. Both of them have already served on church staff. He, uh, Rico's been a senior pastor, and you've been on a staff as a youth pastor, and so they, they have that in common. But the, the big commonality that I'm sharing with you right now is they are coming onto our staff as volunteer pastors. Now, that's a new word in our congregation. That, that's not a position we've had or titled that way, but they are going to be volunteering. And what that basically means is they have full-time jobs, and for the time being, they're going to keep those full-time jobs, and they'll be serving as pastors on a volunteer basis. We have specific assignments for them and things that they'll be doing. Uh, and one of those as much as their job will allow them, because we meet, have a lot of our meetings during the day when they're working, but as much as their jobs will allow them to come be a, a part of significant meetings so that they're a part of planning and thinking and praying and, and developing what, what we do as a church. So uh, Joel and, and Rico will begin serving as volunteer pastors. They will be doing all, all of the pastoral duties and functions that, that they can and that time allows, but they'll be serving uh, our, our church as pastors. And then the two in the middle, we are bringing on part-time. So let me explain this. Uh, First of all, David has, uh, again, has been pursuing, and he'll explain this a little bit, a a call to ministry uh, for for a while now. Uh, Josh has been in ministry, actually himself has also served as a senior pastor in Ohio. He already has an undergraduate degree in in Bible and theology, will be pursuing a, a seminary degree. David has education underway. But uh, uh, Josh has already been serving on our staff as an intern. And uh, interns kind of have a, you know, that that job has a beginning and an end. So we're just taking the end out of it and and upping it more to a full, I mean, a part-time position. And uh, he'll be serving with our our young adults and in some other areas. And then David's job is, is, his schedule is such that it does allow him to serve some ongoing, regular, consistent office hours. And so we're going to take advantage of that uh, with him. And he'll come onto our staff in a part-time position. Now, again, volunteer, part-time, what does that mean? The bottom line is they're pastors. And about five minutes after this message, you won't remember anymore or recognize anymore was we're running around this place, who's part-time, who's volunteering, who's full-time. They're pastors. And so we have treated their coming onto our staff 
with the exact same process as somebody that, that you would be voting on, somebody that you would be calling to come and serve as a pastor in our church. As I said, it, it, formally, uh, I began working on an idea uh, of this standing right here back in June. In July, I began to work with them. Uh, in August, I brought our personnel committee into the process. In September, I brought our deacon body into the process. And even as recent as this past Wednesday night, October, three of them, again, Rico's already ordained, but uh, taking them through these three through ordination uh, testing. And so we, we're following the whole process that we would if we were looking at a, a single individual to, to bring on uh, uh, full time. I forgot about the, because I don't know, Josh, you may be looking and saying, what, what, so what's the diversity right here? Well, he is single. Uh, that's, you've, we asked, he didn't actually suggest that was a permanent status, but, but he is single and, and he brings that to our staff, that, that, that single mind. And he's, two or three years younger than me. Um, and so bringing a little of the 20-something, he's not the only 20-something on our staff. He'll be joining uh, uh, who, who, Jordan, who you saw preaching last week, Jordan and Kyle. And even as I call Jordan and Kyle's name, this is kind of funny because I know there's going to be a couple of pastors that approach me tomorrow and say, shouldn't you have included me in the young pa- do the math, friend. I didn't include you on purpose. So anyway, uh, let's, uh, I want to let them take a moment and introduce themselves. So we'll start down here and kind of come over here to the center so we can see you. This is Rico, and y'all give a little information about yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Y'all might remember Rico preaching just recently back in August. <laughs> Good morning, church. Uh, these are exciting times, aren't they? Um, I, again, my name is Rico Patterson. I'm married to my wife, Antoinette Patterson. I've been married for 32 years. Uh, she's not physically here today. She's not quite comfortable sitting in the building, but she's watching virtually. So I said last time, hey, honey. Um, got three grown children, uh, Rodney, Jessica, and Andre, and a beautiful granddaughter, Ashley, who we love very much. Hey, Ashley, putting in another plug as well. Um, Bennett, the member of the heist, Tony and I have been member of the heist for seven years. And prior to that, I was the uh, senior pastor at a First Bethel Baptist Church in Verina for 14 years. Uh, during my time here at the Heights, I've uh, taught several life group classes. I've taught some Wednesday night classes as part of Discipleship University. It's also part of the Leadership Pipeline Ministry as well. So again, I want to thank the church for considering me to be a pastor. And again, I think this is a uh, wonderful and blessed opportunity. You know, in uh, August of 1989, I was actually called into the ministry. And I actually had a physical encounter with the Lord. And I'm not going to share that right now. Another story for another time. But uh, since that time, I've tried to take the approach of Paul who said, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. And so I tried to take that approach, you know, as I share the word of God. And, you know... I, again, think this is a wonderful opportunity. Over the past couple of years, I was involved in the prison ministry at Riverside Jail. And you had an opportunity once a month to preach there and to teach the inmates there. And, and again, just that was a wonderful, blessed opportunity. But for whatever reason, last year, that door just seemed to close. And I did all I could to try to continue that ministry. But for whatever reason, that door just seemed to close. And I couldn't understand why. So I was praying to the Lord, asking the Lord, you know, what is it that you would have me to do? Why is this door closing? You know, what is your will for me? And then all of a sudden, this opportunity just seemed to open up. 
And again, I believe that it truly is the will of the Lord and answer the prayer. Amen. Amen. John 14, 13 says that whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. So I ask that you continue to pray for me, pray for my family, pray for the church. But most of all, pray for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he is glorified and that his will is done. Amen. 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 Good morning, Heights family. My name is David Elori. Uh, my lovely wife, awesome wife, Lola, is here. Uh, praise the Lord. We've been married 25 years, and we have three wonderful children. We have two biological boys, and uh, we also have a daughter adopted out in Haiti. Uh, we've been attending the Heights uh, for about 10 years now. And, um, you know, it's been uh, really a blessing to serve in many of the ministries here. We've served in the music and arts ministry. I've been a percussionist, a drummer. A Lola sang in the choir. And, uh, you know, we've been part of the Christmas pageant. Uh, we've served in life group as a class administrator, substitute teacher, and even prayer coordinator. Uh, we've served in youth as a summer camp and uh, small group leaders. We've led uh, community groups, and also we've led teams to Haiti uh, on missions. I served as the chairman of the deacon body a few years back, and I'm currently serving as a deacon right now. Uh, we are so excited about what God is doing in the church, uh, this church, and we're so glad to be a part of it. Uh, our call to ministry was probably over 27 years ago when the Lord really uh, just helped us, uh, we had the opportunity to be mentored uh, by uh, people who truly loved young people and, and God's uh, call on their life. And, and so they deposited in us uh, just the ability to learn to serve wherever we are, to uh, minister to people wherever we are, and to be able to uh, impact their lives in a positive way. And so I will summarize our call according to Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 and 4, and also Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. It says there that we should support and hold the hands that hang down and also to steady the uh, feeble knees. That's what we've been called to do. We've been called also to pursue peace with all people and also to pursue holiness. And so we live in a time right now where it is very important as a church for us to support one another, uh, to come alongside each other. And so we are very excited to come alongside uh, the, the pastoral staff here to be able uh, to serve in uh, the uh, position uh, member care. And so we're really excited to be a part of what God is doing here. Amen. Well, as Randy said, my name is Joshua Roberts, and I've been here at the Heights for around two years now. Uh, and I've been uh, actively involved in different ministries. Sometimes you'll see me following Ronnie West around uh, as serving as his intern. But you've also may have seen me with young adults. I lead the Young Adult Life Group uh, on campus here and also teach in uh, the Young Adult Monthly Gathering called The Gathering. And uh, if you're not there, you should be there. Um, and so doing that and then, of course, teaching DU. And you also might know me as the tuba player that's not Barry on the platform uh, playing as well. And so it's been a blessing to be here. Like Randy said, I served as a senior pastor in the great state of Ohio, uh, where I'm originally from, OH. 
There it is. Thank you. Always one. And so uh, from, from the great state of Ohio, uh, there I served as a senior pastor. I earned my undergraduate degree from the Undergraduates College of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where I earned a degree in biblical and theological studies. And then moved to Virginia, was, became an intern here. But I felt my sense of calling to the Lord um, early on, at around the age of 14 or 15, uh, and was just taught by some great ministers and pastors uh, what, what a calling is and, and how to, to serve the Lord. And, and I've just been blessed, um, even in the ministry in Ohio and, and here, working here, to see what God is doing and to proclaim his gospel and to teach and to make disciples of Jesus Christ, which is what we are called as a church to do. And then it's just been a blessing now to be here, to be a part of the church, um, to be one that the 804 cannot imagine being without, to serve the Lord with gladness and to take his gospel to all that we encounter. And it's a blessing to do that. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Joel Aguilus. It's a tricky one. Don't worry. Uh, you'll get used to it. Uh, this is my wife, Sarah. Uh, we have been blessed with two wonderful boys, uh, Joshua, 11, and Joab, who will be 10 in about two weeks. Uh, we've been members of the Heights for about five and a half years. Uh, like Pastor Randy mentioned, I served as a youth minister at a church in Miami. And so when I came, I initially started working with Pastor Will with the youth for about a year. Uh, then I transitioned to teaching life group, uh, Band of Believers, first with Melinda Kite, and then with uh, Wayne Williamson. Um, around 2018, so about two years ago, I was ordained as a deacon. And around the same time, we applied with the IMB, with International Mission Board, to be full-time missionaries. Uh, because of health challenges, we were unable to walk that process. Uh, but God used that opportunity uh, to bring about some meaningful conversations with Pastor Randy and Pastor Ronnie about ways we could serve and love the Spanish-speaking community in our area. Uh, you know, we desire to be the church that the 804 cannot imagine being without. And in order to do that, we need to be able to reach the different people groups that live in our cities. Now, I came to Christ when I was 16, and from that time, I felt a very clear call to be a pastor. Uh, that call has been confirmed by previous ministries that I've served under, and now, of course, under the heights. And, um, but to a certain extent, I, I run away, and, and I was a little afraid to follow that, that call. Um, but God, who is very patient, has used all things uh, for his good purpose. And I'm so excited to see what he's about to do. Uh, he's called me here for a reason at this time, in this place, right? I mean, I was born in Lima, Peru, grew up in South America and Miami, I'm in Colonial Heights uh, for a reason, all right? <laughs> so I'm excited to see what God has in store. Uh, I look forward to serving all of you and to continue to use my spiritual gifts for the edification of this body. Amen. Isn't this exciting? I, I tell you what, as our, our personnel committee, as our deacons got to know them and hear their stories and go through their application packages, which I know you had fun filling out, uh, you know, it's just, it's so exciting to see. You, you just hear their stories and think, man, this is such a God thing. And there's such a God thread pulling this uh, all together. So we're real excited about presenting them to you. And, and again, Wednesday night, you know, I know we're busy and it's right at dinner time and it's probably going to be a 15 or 20 minute meeting. Your round trip drive from home will probably be double the amount of time that you were here. But boy, I really want to encourage you to be here. It's, I think it's kind of a historic moment for our church. And it's not a decision that a couple of people make. It's, it's a decision that we make as a church family. So again, three of them will, will be making a vote 
to ordain. Rico's already ordained. And then all four to call on to our staff uh, as pastors. And uh, I, I know you will uh, want to get to maybe meet them and say hello to them. So why don't you guys go down and, and uh, take Sarah and Lola with you and, and go on out to the concourse. And when we're concluding here in a moment, folks, I hope you'll go by and greet them and let them know of your uh, prayers for them and excitement to have them on our our staff. And again, really want to encourage you to come and, and be here uh, Wednesday night. I believe it'll be just a handful of minutes, and but yet we'll cover some, some important things uh, in our gathering and in doing that. And you know, I, I get the timing of what's going on in our world today. And you know, why, why are we doing this? Why is this happening? And, and folks, I want to be clear, at least for me, that this is not something that media drives or politics drives or the culture drives. Our directive for this is heaven. Our, our directive for this is the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and I, I thank you so much for uh, Joel and, and Sarah and, and Josh and David and, and Lola and uh, Rico and Antoinette. Lord, I thank you for their lives, what they have already been, what they've already meant in the life of this church and family, in the ministry of, of this church and family. God, thank you for having, making the answer so easy, making it such an easy step for us to, to take a very necessary and, and needed step. Lord, I don't want to be a church that's following culture. I want to be a church that's leading culture. And uh, Lord, I pray you'll bless their engagement, their involvement, their work on our staff. Uh, Lord, so that we can better minister to the congregation, so that we can better reach our community. I pray that, that what is taking place here today, what is taking place Wednesday night, will absolutely clearly result and more people being saved, in the kingdom of God being advanced. Lord, our, our, that is our prayer. We commit our plans to you and ask that kind of blessing on it. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.